Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year. And each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. KJ Del Antonia is the author of In Her Boots, a novel. KJ is a novelist and former journalist and editor at the New York Times, where she covered the personal and policy aspects of family for many years with the Motherload column. KJ grew up in Texas and Kansas and attended Kansas State University, then spent her 20s locked in a struggle to marry her upbringing with the mysterious ways of Manhattan and East Coast culture and to reconcile career choices that included practicing law at Cravath, Swain and & Moore and the New York County District Attorney's Office with her childhood desire to be Anne of Green Gables, only with more publishing success. During the first internet boom, 
KJ became the worst vice president of business development ever at an otherwise successful startup. Her subsequent layoff proved the perfect excuse to finally pursue journalism and move to a small town in New Hampshire, and it didn't stop her from eventually taking over the New York Times Motherload blog. Her first book, How to Be a Happier Parent, which, by the way, I interviewed KJ about, and so you can go back and listen to that episode as well, that book developed as a result of her work at the New York Times, but her heart was always in fiction. Her memories of the two chicken restaurants in the Kansas towns where her parents grew up sparked the creation of Chicken Mimi's and Chicken Franny's, the two restaurants at the center of the Chicken Sisters, and the story grew from there. Her second novel, In Her Boots, is about the gap between the adults we think we have become, the child our mother will always see, and our horrible fear that our mother is right, a story that grew from the complex relationship that every author has with the successful self we portray on the outside and the doubting voices that will always hammer away inside of our heads. By the way, The Chicken Sisters was a Reese's book club pick. KJ lives in New Hampshire with her husband, four children, and assorted horses, chickens, dogs, and cats, and she is co-host of the hashtag AmWriting podcast, which she was nice enough to host me on as a guest, and now she's hard at work on her third novel. Welcome, KJ. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss In Her Boots, a novel. Thanks for having me. I am delighted to be here and to be back. <laughs> I know you were last year. I feel like it was pretty early on in my podcasting time. It was very early. Uh, but I appreciated your coming on then about how to be a happier parent. And I loved all your advice and really <laughs> took it to heart. And of course, since then, you know, not only do you host hashtag on writing, but you became a Reese's book pick and now you have in her shoes. And it, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, I'm having a really good time. It's been a good, it's been a good, I'm the rare person that can say these last couple of years have been pretty good. Why don't you tell listeners a little bit about what In Her Boots is about, if you don't mind? I don't mind at all. I will do my best. I have vowed to never write a book with such a complicated plot again, but I, <laughs> I think books with complicated plots may be my thing. So um, yeah, we may be stuck. So I like to say that In Her Boots is the story of um, the adult we hope we have grown into, the child our mothers will always see, and our terrible, terrible fear that our mother is right. Um, so, which I experienced deeply while traveling a little for the book with my mom. And also it was very weird to say that in front of my mom, but um, she's not here now. Although <laughs> listeners may hear my dogs who are here. Anyway, so it's also more fundamentally about um, rent and to understand Rhett, you kind of have to know where Rhett comes from. She um, was, she's a MacGyver-like person, super handy with her hands, super good with engines and mechanical stuff. Um, also a, a, a reader and, and a little bit of a writer, but mostly she lives in the world, not in her head, which um, is actually a little, little different for me. So that was fun to write about. And Rhett has spent the last 20 years as a a, a solo traveler. So she's been out in the world. She's been making new lives for herself over and over in different countries, establishing herself. And she has become Instagram famous. She's become an influencer for exactly that. She got in early on Instagram, never sends pictures of herself. It's always her travels, but she is like the icon of women who travel solo. So she also wrote a book about it. But she didn't want to put her own name on her book because reasons. So she put a different name on it. And she calls the alter ego of her book, The Modern Pioneer Girl. And it's not just, it is her, but it's also who she wants to be. So 
when Rhett is um, given the opportunity to head home and she's ready, she's 40, she wants to inherit her family farm and her best friend convinces her that it's also time to take over this persona, to be the author of this book, to really own who she is. And um, so Rhett agrees and she's asked to be on the Today Show, which is every author's dream, as you know, um, and um, or, or any of the morning shows. They're all great. But I picked that one because it's like, you know, the well-known one. Um, so she's asked to be on the Today Show and she, Jasmine, her best friend, dresses her up and they head out. And when they get there, they hear the name of uh, the voice of the other guest that morning. And it's her mother. And the only person in the whole world, the one person she cannot really be herself in front of in her own mind is her mother. But fortunately, from Rhett's perspective, Jasmine is standing right there. And the person who's hosting them doesn't know which of them wrote the book. So when the person says, oh, I love the modern pioneer girl, which of you is it? Rhett grabs Jasmine and says, it's her. And uh, Jasmine, for reasons of her own, lets this happen. And it should just be a one-off. Like, this is all on the first few pages of the book, right? It's a prank. And they're known for this stuff. They're best friends. This is what they do. Um, dumb stuff together. And then they, you know, sort it out. So everything would be fine, except that when Rhett gets home, she discovers that her mother is completely in control, really, of whether or not she can inherit her family farm. Her mother thinks she's done basically nothing for the last 20 years. Um, her mother is deeply worried for reasons of her mother's own about the effect that owning the farm will have on Rhett. She thinks it will drag Rhett down as it did Rhett's father. And she wants to save Rhett from this terrible fate. And also, she just doesn't think Rhett's capable. But she's super, super impressed with whoever wrote that book, which, of course, she thinks is Jasmine. So um, it goes on for there. And I think the thing that I really um, love about it is that there's no obvious or easy course for Red. So often when you're reading, you're like, ah, just tell him how you feel or, you know, just stop doing such and such or just do this or just do that. There's no just for Red in this situation, which granted she has created for herself. Um, if she tells, she's not going to inherit the farm. If she doesn't tell, She's not going to inherit the farm if she like there's no there's she's got no no easy way out. So that's that's where we join her. Um, and that's what the book's about. Rhett finding a way, really finding her way to be herself in the world and seeing what that gets for her. While trapped in a corner, essentially. While trapped in a corner. Exactly. Back, backed into a corner, I should say. Uh, yeah, of her own gone. making, which yeah. is the best kind of corner in books. Yes. Sometimes I feel like I'm there myself in my real life. Um, always, really. <laughs> Yeah. Um, amazing. By the way, I could just listen to you talk about books forever. I feel like, you know, if I could you, talk about books forever. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. You should just summarize. All it's I have great. to, um, I have to give an actual speech to the Kansas book, um, book festival and, uh, giving actual speeches is, you know, it's, it's sort of a thing. It's like, I mean, it's one thing to get up and talk. It's one thing to talk on a podcast. I could do that all day. And it's one thing to like get up and have a conversation with someone. What's they call it a speech? It's like, ah, so I'm sitting here with them. Um, talk like Ted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I can get ready. But anyway, the first <laughs> chapter is like, be sure to talk about things you're enthusiastic about. And I was like, oh, check. <laughs> Cause I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about reading for fun. I'm going to talk about why we should read what we want to read and not what other people think we should read, 
with some caveats. And I'm so excited to do that. I just give me a test run. Get, practice some of your material. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't made any material yet, other than just you know to to go ahead and embrace the things that you love in reading and the things that you look for when you turn over the back of the book. You know, if you flip over the back of the book and it's like, you know witches in a bakery solving murders. And those are your things. I mean, just go ahead, like buy that. And if somebody's like, no, you really need to read this very serious YA novel in which everyone dies. And that's not your jam. You don't have to. And then the thing I'm excited to sort of really go on with there, excuse me, (coughs) is that you can still expand your reasoning horizons while you read what you love. So you know, if you have noticed that your bookshelves are only white women, which is a, I've certainly looked at my bookshelves and gone, ooh, ouch, I didn't mean to do that. You know, you don't have to like go out and find the most serious book about um, intrinsic bias that you can find, unless that fascinates you, in which case, go grab it, because it is interesting. Go find a book about witches solving murders in bakeries that was written by someone who's a little different than you and go from there, right? Like take what you love and broaden your horizons within it. Um, that, so I'm excited. I'm excited to put that together and I've like deciding on titles and um, I don't know, jokes. <laughs> you feel like people feel just totally pressured to read books they don't want to read? I do actually. I think a lot of us um, feel sort of the echoes of our academic experience and feel like, well, I really, this is too much fun. This can't really be reading. I'm enjoying it. Now, not, I mean, or we differentiate. We're like, I will read this for fun, but I will read this because it is very serious. And it, I mean, sometimes you want to read that stuff. Um, and sometimes we, uh, some of that, I, I guess what the other piece of what I'm trying to say is, yes, read about serious topics, but find you know, open the book and make sure that it interests you, like the the voice, the flow, the way that it's presented. That's going to be different for for everyone, what works for you. So I think not feeling, because that book that you have to read is just going to sit there forever dragging you down. So, and then making you feel like, oh, I, apparently I don't like nonfiction, but that's mm-hmm. probably not true. You probably just don't like that piece of nonfiction. Do you think that people should read both fiction and nonfiction or like, would you, are you cool with just reading all fiction or? I'm cool with just reading whatever you want to read. And if that is all uh, romance all the time, by all means, if that is all genre fiction, if that is all fantasy, go for it. Right. I mean, or if it's all nonfiction, I mean, then you're just apparently your dude and that's fine. Um, (laughs) Because that's, that's, I mean, that, and that is very much um, statistically true. Men read a lot of nonfiction. The weird truth, and you probably know this, but I didn't, and a lot of people don't, nonfiction is way more popular. Like it sells way more copies than fiction and more people read it, both men and women. I had no idea. I would have guessed, I think, the opposite because I'm uh, somebody who reads and loves novels. Although I, I read and love nonfiction too, but certainly the shelves behind me are, I mean, it's probably 75% fiction. Yeah, me too. Well, the thing with nonfiction, A, you can learn, obviously, but B, like there's something in it for you. Do you know what I mean? Like you are buying, uh, oftentimes I think people are buying a nonfiction book because they are trying to solve a problem or get through something. And here's the solution packaged up in the solution, right? And then you Mm -hmm. can just 
you know, right. mission accomplished. But right. So people read nonfiction that don't think they would be interested in a novel. Um, you know, maybe if they picked up the right one or the one that also addressed that problem, they would be. But but yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, more people are going to grab the the uh, magical joy of tidying up, which is not quite the title, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because they want to tidy up, or they want to imagine that they're going to tidy up, which is a lot like tidying up, only easier. But it's like you, you bought the TED book because you're doing a speech. I bought, yeah, I bought, I bought it years ago for different speeches, oh, okay. All right. but I grabbed it, um, off my shelf and, and yeah, yeah, this is hopefully, this is going to solve all my problems. Basically it's going to write this for me. That's my plan. You know, Go here, have a pen book. This other book just came out about all the speeches that were never given, but they were written. Have you heard about that book? No, I haven't. I'll send it. I'll send it to you if I can find okay, it. Okay, cool. Um, but back to your book. Um, so when you're writing fiction, you obviously are a lover of fiction, so you can just channel all of that in. And there's this part talking about writing um, that I just wanted to read, If I do- which I dog-eared. Oh, hold on one sec. Um, but it's about ghostwriting, essentially. Um, anyway, it was about Emily and um, talking to a ghostwriter and how she needed help uh, and she had a gift for finding the moments that ended up changing her life and, and getting those onto the page. And I, I was wondering what your th- thoughts were about other people helping. Do you need help? Have you worked with a ghostwriter? And tell me about like that relationship as you know. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time. I need so much help. I've never worked with a, a ghostwriter, but I work with a lot. I definitely work with editors and, and book coaches. I don't, I think ghostwriting is much more common for people who have an interesting life, but aren't necessarily the one to write about it. I don't, I mean, I don't think we even call it ghostwriting. Like, yeah, James Patterson maybe doesn't, I, I don't want to malign anyone, but, um, uh, there's, there's someone that like really a hundred percent, like he writes kids, but I think it is James Patterson and he doesn't even pretend like he comes up with the ideas and then people help him write, but that's a different, that's when you're like an industry, not, not a, not necessarily uh, an individual writer. But what I have had is, um, book coaches like Jenny Nash. And I know that, you know, her, and I think you yeah. her on the show and, um, she really taught me how to do this. And if there's one thing I could sort of go back and say to my baby writer self when I thought I couldn't write fiction, it is that this is a learnable skill. Um, you know, reading and loving fiction is one thing. And unfortunately, it doesn't actually teach it. It probably teaches some of us how to write it, but mostly it kind of teaches you how to, it might teach you whatever element really speaks to you, it might teach you that. So for example, I have a natural, like writing dialogue in the form that appears in books comes really naturally to me because I've probably read more dialogue than I've heard because I'm a very fast reader um, and and had spent a lot of years, you know, huddled up in my parents' house reading books and not talking to people. <laughs> so, so that comes really easily to me, but the structure of a story does not. And that's what Jenny really taught me was um, how to make sure there was a, a core and not write a lot. I already told you I really like to write really complicated plots. You should have seen the plot of the Chicken Sisters when I first took that to Jenny. It had so many. It was like a tree with all the branches and, and roots and uh, sister trees next to it that were all wound up and probably talking through their roots. I mean, it was crazy. So she really taught me that uh, to find the one story and stick to that and the things that were closest and most important to that. I think structure is also important, really difficult. I mean, it is so hard, especially to build it over so many pages. It's like keep it going. Like it's one thing in an essay, or yeah. Shorter, I don't know. It's just like over all that time. <laughs> it really, it really, really is. And so it's so key to have these sort of signposts for every. Um, you know, I, I also like. Uh, the the sort of traditional plot things where you're like you know the, the inciting incident and the midpoint and the and the all is lost moment. Um, I like to know what those are. Those are like signposts. But I also like Jenny's a real genius at like the core of each either chapter or scene, just depending on how you're approaching it. And so to to be to have sort of a, just a list that's like in you know uh, she finds out Mike is. I don't, I don't spoil anything in my own book, but you know, she finds out or her mom uh, tells her such and such. And to have the one line for every scene um, and then the, the, to know what, why it's there is really important. So you have all that laid out ahead of time. No, oh. <laughs> that would be an excellent way to do it, but no, that is not the way that I do it. Um, I, 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 
I mean, I've only done this in full maybe four times, once for the book that no one will probably ever see and once for the one I'm about to try to sell and then twice for the ones that you can see on the shelves. So I don't really have a method um, and I hope to someday have a better method, but mostly my method seems to be, I know where we start and I either know where the plot ends or I know where the person ends. And then I have to kind of write a bunch of stuff to get to the point. So no, I don't really end up with that core um, like what each thing is about and what's important, probably till I've drafted it. And then that's what I use to revise. Got it. It'd be great to do it the other way, I think. I think that would be very efficient. It's yeah. uh, not but a maybe, thing I but maybe less, a way to do. Maybe less fun. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Next time. Wait, what are you working on now? What's the book you're trying to sell now? Uh, it, it, it is easier to describe. It is um, uh, witches in a small Marfa-like town in Kansas with a deck of stolen can- uh, tarot cards and a lot of family secrets. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm back to <laughs> I'm back to setting it in Kansas, which I'm I'm delighted by. I grew up in Kansas, so I, I like to I like to give Kansas its due. Amazing. Um, so, in addition to all your writing, you are hosting, co-hosting, hashtag on writing. Um, what's the latest there? What, it, who, like, what exciting or interesting things have happened on the show lately? And what do you take out of the show to then inform your own writing? So it's hashtag am writing. On writing oh, is Stephen King's book. But you're the second I'm person today so to sorry. say it. That's okay. It's kind of funny because you are. You're the second person today to say it that way. Um, so it's hashtag am writing. I, I knew that. Um, I Which is a hashtag we totally made up and proprietarily own and you can't use now. I'm kidding. Um, we just, we stole that off the internet and everybody uses it. And so it's fun to have it be our podcast. And we, so this summer... We um, did a thing called Blueprint for a Book using Jenny Nash's Blueprint for a Book. And we did 10 episodes that if you listen to um, and follow along with each 10 episodes, and you don't have to do it in live real time, they'll always be there. You will come out with what I just said I rarely have to start with, um, which is a, a thing you can use to start either a nonfiction book or a fiction book that will really help you to know where you're going. And I probably, I, I really think it's say, it could save you a year um, of, of twisting and turning around things, or at least six months. So I love that. And also yesterday, we just uh, interviewed Emily Henry. So that won't come out till fall, because it's going to come out after the blueprint is done. But it was a really good interview in which we talked about um, how uh, we talked about exactly what you and I were talking about a minute ago, which is reading for fun. And writing the things that we love to read. And so I didn't even know, but Emily, um, you know, we think of her as like an overnight success from um, Beach Read. She had uh, three YA novels, as she describes them, sad YA novels about serious (laughs) things. And that just didn't turn out to be. So I loved, I loved finding that out. And then we loved talking about like how, I mean, writing fun is hard. So we, we talked about that. It was really, it was a really good one. It was a good interview. Awesome. Okay, why is writing fun hard? Easy reading is hard writing. And it really is. And I'm not saying it's harder than like, you know, writing literary stuff. I'm sure that is also hard. All writing is hard, I guess. But to, as as Emily said, um, you know, a thing that drives uh, us in like our day-to-day decisions, which is exactly what we talked about on the podcast. Like, for example, a thing that might drive me is... If I'm on a plane and I'm in the window seat, I would be, I'm really uncomfortable asking the person to move. 
And so I may make all kinds of decisions as Emily was talking about it. Like I'm making all these decisions because I want to avoid conflict. And mm. many, many women are like that, right? But to put that into a book, your person needs to have a real reason that mm. they want to avoid conflict. And you need to get sort of, you need to examine, you, you, need, you need to make it realer than real. It needs to be bigger than our individual real personal experiences, or at least than most of them, in order um, for us to want to follow along and really embrace that person's uh, travels and troubles. Um, so, so you kind of have to make it, it's like you want to take something that's an experience that we all share, like maybe avoiding conflict or um, being af afraid to tell someone how you really feel. And you need to turn that into something big enough that we can see it and watch it change and enjoy the process. And yet also feel like it's a thing that could happen. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot, it's, it's, it's hard. Wow. Um, well, to shift gears for two seconds, you know, as we said, I started off by talking to you about how to be a happier parent, and now you've had all this career success. Has all of that, not that you hadn't already, I was like mother, motherload editor, and like, I mean, you already were, super I, I, but you know what I mean? Good things have happened for me. It is true. Does that make you a happier parent? Or do you feel like you're a better parent? Has it affected it at all, your parenting? You know, the, the possibly ugly truth about me is that I'm a gold star kind of girl, and I know that you are too. I like to get accolades from the outside world. It is hard for me to rely only on my own assessment of my achievements. So, um, yes, absolutely. My life is much easier and better when if someone says, oh, have you written anything I've heard of? I can say, well, yeah. I mean, maybe you haven't, but I can tell you things that will make you go, oh, you know, she's not just a... I mean, I, so yes, um, that makes me happier. And again, I would like to be someone who um, can just uh, put value in the, the journey, but the truth is that I like success. So there's that. Has it made I don't better parent? It probably, it probably just makes me more pleasant. I mean, early in my kids' lives, when we had moved out of the city and I had uh, been laid off, and lived in a place where there really uh, it was going to be hard for me to get a job in any industry, let alone my chosen industry. Um, I found I found myself feeling really weighed down by by the the kids and the experience of parenting, and feeling like it was all anyone thought of when they looked at me. So I really uh, it's been great for me to have the other things. Now I think I could have found that in any satisfying, I, there are other things that I love to do. Uh, my work with animals, uh, my cooking, I could have taken one of those things and also, but the key for me was not letting my identity be entirely wrapped up in my kids, which doesn't mean that I don't love them, obviously. And if anyone wants to read a great book on exactly what I just said, then you need the book. Um, this is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch. Because yes. Why, that, so why do you, that. you, um, you put that on. I my did. Instagram. I put it in your Instagram. Yeah. Why? Why? I, I actually haven't read it. I did get. Oh my gosh! You have a treat in store for you. I'm so excited for you. Um, it's little, yeah. and it's not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch. It's a book about someone um, finding something that they loved and feeling stupid about loving that thing, which was the show Sherlock and the the actor Benedict Cumberbatch, and then exploring why they couldn't just throw themselves into this thing, which is after all just about fun. And then taking that even one step further and exploring, wait, 
why is this thing that interests me, which really is no dumber than being interested in, say, soccer? Mm-hmm. Why is this so dumb in the eyes of the world and more importantly, in the eyes of me? Interesting. Um, then something, you know, or, or like, you know, it's fine to be obsessed with golf. Why is it fine to be obsessed with golf? But Or why is it fine to be like a male Star Trek cosplayer and not a woman who's super interested in, you know, Sherlock? Anyway, it's really good. And it just gets, it really um, ends up exploring uh, why we in particular, we as women struggle to do things that are only for us. Um, And that's kind of my whole, like my whole topic is why we, and especially as women have such a hard time figuring out what will, what will make us happy. So I was delighted to find this really different um, nonfiction, if you like that kind of thing, approach to um, exactly the same topic that I really love talking about. And it's super funny and super fun and, and very distracting on an airplane. So all those things. Getting all these uh, extra book recommendations here. Yes. Yes, I love that. (laughs) Um, Any final am writing tips? Final am writing tips. Um, You know, it takes forever. And and don't stop. And I mean, you know, if you're writing a a, a 800-word essay that you haven't been able to get anyone else to read, keep reading essays, keep modeling, you know, keep looking at the way other people structure them take that structure, apply it to your own. And the same goes for books. If you are trying and trying to get it out there um, and trying to get something done, tear up other people's books, look at the structure, try to find out what you don't have and don't stop and don't stop before it's as good as you want it to be. I love there. it. That's, That's perfect. Advice. There you go. That works. Thanks. <laughs> um, KJ, thank you. This was wonderful. It was nice. Thank you. In your metaphoric booths for a minute <laughs> in your little office and uh and in your mind for while well, we hear all these great thoughts so um so thank, thank you so thank much you. it's always super fun to talk to you you too all right thanks kj bye bye thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books don't forget to follow me on instagram at zibby owens and at moms don't have time to read books Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.